Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Johnny K. Well, you kind of sound like Vince McMahon with a sore throat. Is that you, Mr. K? Yeah, right. <laughs> How's it going, sir? It is, baby. It's good. How's it going? Uh, it's okay. Just getting ready to start another fun, fulfilled week on the other show. Phew, uh, man. They have worn me out. I have done interviews for like the last five days straight with different guests so but it's been a lot of fun got to meet a lot of different people so but it is uh yeah it's tiring <laughs> all right so having sure. fun though that's the most important part <laughs> there you go there you go and i and i originally started this to meet people and man i've met them all walks and shapes of forms of life so it's been very educational a lot of uh, a lot of people with a lot of good success stories so yeah it's been fun okay. All right, so if this is your first time listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast, you can subscribe or follow us. Be sure to do so. We are on all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage does have another podcast that he co-hosts and he's the creator of. Go ahead, sir, and tell everybody about that. Thank you. If you're into uh, movies, gaming, wrestling, comic books, all that kind of stuff, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube. I co-host that podcast with uh, Top Tier Brian and Jigsaw Gesture, and we uh, also scre- uh, also stream on Twitch. Yeah, so be sure to check that out anytime you get the opportunity to, Uncaged Voice. Also, if you like to, uh, well, this month, we are actually the interviews I was talking about. This is November, the month of the stars on the Red Pill Current News Podcast. So if you're into news worldwide or in the good old U.S. of A., or you want to hear some different perspectives from authors, business owners, mediums, and the list goes on, be sure to check us out there. We're on all major platforms as well. And uh, we do drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. We drop new episodes here on the Wrestling Podcast every Monday and Friday. So, uh, yeah, beginning of the week, here we come. Also, if you ever want to be a guest on this show or have any questions for Mr. Cage or myself, you can always email us at ol, Kentucky spelled out, okentucky99, the number's 99, at yahoo.com, okentucky99 at yahoo.com. All right, so before we get into the wrestling news and everything that's happened over the last few days we're are we always start to show off with a brand new seg- uh, segment that mr cage actually came up with my fantasy booking and uh 
I have to admit, I actually like this segment a lot. Uh, it takes me back. I go back a number of years each time when I try to do it, and uh, it just brings back good memories. But uh, Mr. Cage, as always, sir, we'll let you go ahead and start us off. Thank you, Kentucky guy. Well, I'm going to take you back today to the year 2006, which was a very interesting year, to say the least, for WWE. 2006, if you remember, was the year that they relaunched the ECW brand. And even though it was still technically under the direction of Paul Heyman, the original, uh, well, not the original owner, but really the main creative force behind ECW, people were optimistic about it. They thought if Paul Heyman is given full creative control, this could be an interesting relaunch of this popular brand. Unfortunately, it was doomed from the start because Vince McMahon micromanaged everything from a creative perspective behind the scenes. I knew from the first two episodes that this was going to be nothing like the old ECW. And the truth is the landscape of wrestling had changed in the five years since ECW had folded. So, of course, everyone was expecting it to be a little bit different. Maybe not quite as extreme as it was back in the day. But all of this kind of came to a head at the 2006 December to Dismember pay-per-view. And if you remember going into this show, there were only two matches that were announced beforehand. One of those matches was a tag team contest between Eminem, that's Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro, and the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff. They put on a heck of an opening tag team match that really woke up the crowd and got the show off to a strong start. This match really didn't have anything to do with ECW because excluding Joey Mercury, who brief, who briefly had wrestled in ECW during its final days as Joey Matthews, none of these guys had ever even competed on ECW television. So after this match, you had a lot of sort of nothing undercard matches. You had a match between um, the FBI against Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai. You had a mixed tag match, Kevin Thorne and Ariel versus Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. You had a singles match between Balls Mahoney and Matt Stryker. And, of course, you had the main event, which was the Extreme Elimination Chamber. Originally, the Extreme Elimination Chamber was supposed to feature the following competitors. ECW champion, The Big Show, Test, Sabu, Rob Van Dam, Bobby Lashley, and CM Punk. For whatever reason, and I, I just cannot understand this decision at all, Sabu was taken out of the match and replaced by hardcore Bob Holly. When all was said and done, Bobby Lashley emerged as the winner. He pinned the big show after a spear and became the new ECW champion. And pretty much every other wrestler in the match just wasn't built up to look strong. This was all about making Bobby Lashley look dominant. Which again, Bobby Lashley, look at him today, he's come a long way and he is a dominant force. But the biggest mistake they made in this match is that this could have been the redemption story for Rob Van Dam, who back in June had lost the WWE and ECW championships in the same week. He could have he could have been built up as finally regaining the title in ECW original, and they could have gone on to ha have him have a lengthy reign as the ECW champion, really could have given the belt some prestige once again, and built up the brand. But instead, they gave it to 
somebody who at the time was a, a mostly unproven talent in Bobby Lashley. The only way that this could have possibly worked with Bobby Lashley's ECW champion would have been if he was a the new monster heel of the brand that CM Punk or RVD or any one of the ECW guys could have chased for the title. That would have been fine. But this was honestly the final nail in the coffin for the ECW brand. And even though it stuck around for a couple more years, it was never the same after that. Paul Heyman left the WWE shortly thereafter, wouldn't return for several years. And yeah, it was just a failure on all levels. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I can, I can definitely see. I was wondering uh, which wrestler you were going to pick there for a moment. <laughs> it was mismanaged. You're absolutely right. It, it was, it was very, it, so the Bobby Lashley as champion was odd. I'll tell you something even more odder than that was when the big show was the ECW champion and you, and you had ECW guys there, just like you said. You had Rob Van Dam. Uh, you had Taz. And I'm telling you what, Taz is going to be on my list one day uh, when he came from EC. He was a beast in ECW. He was the world champion, and he he broke Sabu's neck. I mean, he was putting people through tables, Taz missions, Taz locks. He comes to WWE, and they make him a, an announcer. He doesn't have that many matches. He never got a chance. He never got a true shot. They actually did more with Mike Awesome in the WWE than they did with Taz. I, I just couldn't believe it. And no, there, there's the rumors are wrong because I looked into it a long time ago. Taz did not get hurt, and that's what sidelined him because he could still go. He actually went to TNA, and uh, if he wasn't so out of shape, he would have been able to go when he became a part of the uh, uh, Aces and Eights that time. So, yeah, I, I like your... Uh, I, I like your pick for the show. Absolutely. Yeah, but I really I really like that uh, use of the ECW Rod Van Dam uh, examples that you just gave. So let's get into my fantasy booking this week. He is a he's a superstar. He's a legend. He is a Hall of Famer, and uh, which some of you may be surprised that he's on this list, but this is the time that he spent with World Championship Wrestling, WCW. And we're going to go all the way back to 1991. And I'm going to show you the beginning of the downfall of WCW that long ago. This gentleman is none other than Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mrs. Foley's baby boy, Mick Foley, while he was with WCW. He came onto the show as Cactus Jack in September 5th of 91. He was a heel, and he ended up attacking Sting uh, from behind his first time out. Oh, he had many feuds there uh, with uh, Greg the Van, uh, the Van Hammer, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, and, you know, of course, Sting. He even faced Sting one time for the World Heavyweight Championship, in, or I'm sorry, in a non-title match. Balls count anywhere. Uh, it was a match at uh, Bash at the Beach, or no, Beach Blast in 1992, which, of course, Sting, their golden boy back then, one. So after spending a year and a half with WCW as a heel, he transitioned into a fan favorite. And he was in a feud with Paul Andorf, Harley Race, and uh, Big uh, Vader. And Vader and Harley Race and Orndorff, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they actually had, there was a little faction. I don't think they ever gave themselves a name, but they were like a little you know, three-person faction, and they they were kind of dominant. 
Cactus Shack and Orndorff, they went for the uh, tag team titles at Clash of the Champions. Uh, Vader's team, you know, of course, they won. Harley Race and Orndorff uh, ended up, or I'm sorry, that was a number one contenders match between Vader and uh, Cactus Jack. And I'm trying not to read from the notes. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, after the match, Race and Orndorff, of course, attacked, attacked uh, Cactus Jack. At that event, uh, at the at the next event, the Clash of Champions, he actually helped Sting uh, win the match uh, and win the world title. He continued the feud with Orndorff. He won a, uh, I think, a match of Falls Count Anywhere at Super Brawl Three. And then while he was wrestling, now here's where they start to, as always, start to blow it. Then he wrestles uh, Vader on April 6, '93, and he wins by countout. But that match was one of the more gruesome matches that he'd been in, and he was beaten so bad in the process that the uh, talented but athletic 400-pound uh, Vader, who everyone says that he's a great wrestler, but he was trained in that Japanese, like uh, Sensei Nakamura, the strong style, and he just hit too hard. A lot of wrestlers just would not wrestle with them at all because they're afraid of uh, being uh, injured. However, Foley, he decided to continue the feud with Vader. And as a result of Cactus Jack's victory in the rematch with Vader on April 24th, Harley Race removed uh, the protective mats at ringside and Vader powerbombed Cactus Jack onto the concrete floor. This caused a legitimate real cushion, not a protocol, not a shoot, a real uh, or work, uh, a real concussion. And Foley, uh, he temporarily lost all sensation in his left foot. So he was out. So while he was out, though, instead of doing the right thing and showing uh, vignettes of him once in a while, going through recovery, uh, rebuilding uh, to come back, no, 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 no. WCW's too stupid to do anything like that. What they did was they said uh, they turned it into a comedy line, and they tried to say that he went crazy after that match, and being attacked, and he was institutionalized. Then he escaped, and then he was diagnosed with amnesia. It's stupid. Foley actually talked about this in his book. Uh, he said that uh, he wrote a book called Have a Nice Day, and he mentioned that the brain children at WCW, the executives, were uh, a surefire money-making feud, but the problem was they didn't know how. <laughs> So anyways, as you can tell, they started mis mismanaging him right from there. And then, uh, and I have to talk about this because uh, everybody remembers this. They may not remember the date or everything, but one of the most violent matches you can ever watch, and I'm talking about even right now, was Texas Deathmatch between Cactus Jack and Vader. It's a, it's, it was like a last man standing match. It was at Halloween Havoc, uh, 93, on October 24th. <laughs> so, and having a wheel spun, and I mean, this match was crazy. Harley Race actually won the match for Vader uh, by using a stun gun on, on Mick Foley. <laughs> but the match was so, it was so bad, like it's so brutal. That it actually, especially, you guys got to remember, this is back in 93. And I'm saying right now, even right now, that this is the most brutal match I've even watched all these years later. 
And it was so bad that Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura were so stunned in disbelief. If you ever go back and watch it, they didn't say anything through the second half of the match. Nothing. As commentators. <laughs> That's how gruesome and how shocked they were that that match was. It, it also caused the WCW promotion uh, marketing uh Who's, who had been marking themselves as a family-friendly, you know, wrestling promotion and what have you. They never put Cactus Jack versus Vader on pay-per-view ever again. And then, uh, let's see. So, Cactus Jack, oh, that's when he lost his ear, by the way. That's when Mick Foley, that's the match where he lost his ear. And instead of using that as a feud between him and Vader, Eric Bischoff re- refused to do it. He reluctant to work the storyline. And then in frustration, of course, we know that uh, Mick Foley, you know, he's seen that he didn't have much of a uh, future there. Uh, Nothing seemed to be positive. So they could have done so many things, right? There's two storylines that Eric Bischoff and the writers really messed up on. Really, really. Uh, When he, when he got put out, they could have done that so much different than acting like he was in a insane inside him. Yes. Cactus Jack was portrayed as being a a nutcase, right? But he had turned face before then. Harley Race, Vader, Orndorff, they were a faction, but they were a heel faction. It didn't make any sense, him going to the uh, insane asylum as a baby face and then escaping. just didn't make any sense. And I know a lot of you are thinking about mankind in the boiler room for WWE, and you're right, but he was a heel then. You've got to keep the two separate. And then, what a perfect storyline, man. You're wrestling a match, and the dude tears your ear off. I mean, uh, first of all, Vader says that the ear came off. uh, What did he say? He said uh, he used to say that it came off in the barbed wire, right? But he admitted years later that after rewatching it that he probably did take the guy's ear off. But what a storyline missed opportunity. They didn't even talk about it. You heard more about Mick Foley losing his ear in ECW and in uh, WWE after his career was over with, with WCW. It, it, it was crazy. And this guy, I wrote it down here. here here's, the, here's the star they lost, right? We know he's the WWE Hall of Famer. In seven different promotions, he was world heavyweight champion. Seven different promotions. I didn't go through and add up all the I know he was three-time champion just in the WWE, but seven different promotions. He was world champion. Tag team champions. He was a tag team champion in eight different, and this isn't counting WCW because he did win. Uh, he see, this was his second go-around in WCW. He did go there for like a year, uh, a year or so, and it was uh, a few years before then. And then he went back to the independent scene, which... He probably wish he would have stayed there. Anyways, uh, he did win the tag team titles with uh, Gary Hart, the first, his first round at WCW. But anyways, this is the kind of guy, a world champion, everywhere he goes. He, he was even a legends champion in TNA, and they thought his career was over. You know, that was after he left uh, the WWE. And he just, I mean, he, if you talk about, he's kind of like Hulk Hogan. He's synonymous with, uh, wrestling these days you mentioned wrestling everybody's heard of this guy and what a mistake and what a bummer wcw just did not know how to use them 
Your thoughts, sir? So I think, uh, if I remember correctly, reading correctly, uh, the excerpt from his book, I think the ear wasn't actually lost in the Texas death match. I think it was a house show match that Vader and Cactus Jack were in in Germany somewhere, and that's where it actually happened. I don't know, though, if it was before or after the Texas death match at Halloween Havoc. But um, I absolutely agree with you 100% that this could have been a great catalyst for continuing this feud between the two of them because Vader was Vader was at the top of the card. He was the top heel in WCW, multiple-time world champion at that point, known for being one of the toughest guys on the roster. And Cactus Jack was one of the few people who could actually dish it out as well as he could take it. Um, and instead what they decided to do was after he lost the feud to Vader, well, let's put him in some tag teams. So he was in a tag team with Max Payne for a little while. I don't even know if you remember that guy. He was uh, he used to wear a leather jacket, and he used to come to the ring with a guitar called Norma Jean. <laughs> but, um, and then he was placed in a tag team with Kevin Sullivan, which that combination I didn't even understand because in the previous pay-per-view he was teaming with Max Payne, and now suddenly he's with Kevin Sullivan. I, I didn't understand that at all. Hey, but, uh, sorry, I want to interject there real quick. You are absolutely right. I don't know what I was thinking. He lost his ear. He was actually ta in a tag team match with Kevin Sullivan on his team, and they won the uh, tag team titles. It was at a uh, 94 uh, Slamboree was the name of yep. it. Yep. Yeah, it, they beat the Nasty Boys, I remember. Um, I, I remember it because it was, in, it was at the Philadelphia Civic Center, and Dave, the famous uh, Dave the Hammer Schultz from Philadelphia Flyers was actually the special guest referee for that match um but yeah they held the belts for like a month or two at most lost them at bash at the beach and then i think when foley decided he wasn't going to renew his contract with wcw i think he lost a match to kevin sullivan it was like a loser leaves wcw match and that was the end of his career in wcw and i thought to myself even back then what a waste of cactus jack yeah you're absolutely right uh yeah so yeah they won the match uh the tag team titles and then uh, uh, Vader attacked him after the match. And that's when the, uh, let's see, it says, uh, between retracting his ear or, re oh, okay. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm still wrong. I am still wrong. Okay. He had a match with Vader, just like you said. It was a house show. It was a hardcore match. It was right after that most brutal or brutal match that I mentioned. This was uh, in 94 during the, WCW European tour. Uh, he lost his ear and Bischoff gave him the ultimatum to either get his ear reattached or wrestle in the pay-per-view at Slamboree with Kevin Sullivan uh, and winning the tag team titles. And Foley, being the competitor he is, he chose to go after the titles. And he was still willing to stay with WCW even after that. Uh, however, Eric Bischoff refused to add the ear, any type of storyline with Vader. So there you go. There's the, there's the actual facts guys. I wanted to look it up because uh, even when I was saying it earlier at that match, it, it didn't feel right. <laughs> so I was like, something don't make sense here, but anyways, I'm glad you brought it up and uh, I'm glad we went and got the full story on that. Uh, yeah. Too big not to, cause uh, they, they completely, they botched that. Like they did so many superstars back then. All right, so let's move into the a, uh, AEW 
a rampage result. Oh, let's see. So Nyla Rose. Let's let's talk about this. This was kind of kind of funny. It's still ongoing. Uh, it, it's sometimes these these uh, promotions they get a good thing and uh, they kind of wear you out on it. Uh, so, anyways, Nyla Rose hosted her. She had this self-proclaimed <laughs> uh, TBC uh, Championship Open Challenge, right? Uh, and uh, Kyla, Kayla Sparks, uh, she came out and accepted the challenge. Uh, Nyla Rose splashed her. And then she did uh, Jade's finishing move on her <laughs> and then pinned her. Uh, and she actually mocked uh, Jade Cargill. Here comes Jade and the, uh, I think they're called the baddies, her group. Uh, they marched to the ring. Uh, but Nyla wiped out the baddies. Uh, and then Jade had knocked her out of the ring with an awesome, uh, I call it a pimp kick. They might call it a pump kick. I, it, it was awesome. And knocked her out. And uh, she still has Jade's belt. But I tell you what, JR, he said something that was hilarious. He goes, I think she's just trying to see if she still has her teeth in her head, Bolt. <laughs> so, what do you think about that match, sir? I will say Nyla Rose delivers uh, Jade's finisher pretty much just as well as Jade does, which is pretty amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to this uh, feud finally coming, reaching its climax and seeing these two clash over the TBS championship. Um, I still don't think it's it's Jade's time to lose the belt. I think they've been building Nyla Rose up as a credible opponent. I think she's going to get really close to winning the belt, but I don't think she's going to unseat Jade at this point in time. Yeah, now that I know that Paige or Sarah or whatever her name is, is 100% clear to wrestle, uh, I'll agree with that. Because I used to say, well, who else is going to do it? She's been, you know, she's fought everybody just about. But, uh, yep. I think uh, I think Paige is going to be the one to take that belt from her later down the road. Uh, then we had Jungle Boy and Chris uh, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. Uh, they faced off in the ring, uh, and the Jungle Boy asked for a final match uh, against Luchasaurus at the pay per view. This was kind of a weird segment, in my opinion. Uh, Christian Cage is like, "We're done with you. We're going for you know the guy's still his arm's still in a sling, and he's going. He says we're going." We're going for gold. We're going for gold, little man. Uh, you can't get. You didn't get the job done. So, I, I look for this match to happen. It's not made made official yet, but I look for this match to happen at the uh, pay per view. Should be interesting. Uh, I wish they'd hurry up and move on, and uh, because I think as soon as as soon as this feud's over with, I I have to tell you, I still believe uh, Luchasaurus is is gone. I don't think there's anything else for him. I just can't see him doing anything else, uh, even with Christian. As great as Christian is, that guy is so big and clumsy, it just doesn't make any sense. Your thoughts? Well, once again, I like the fire that Jungle Boy Jack Perry showed, and I agree with you. I think we should wrap this feud with Luchasaurus up so that we can finally have a proper match between Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, which I, I'm willing to bet that Christian's going to put put the young uh, the young up-and-comer over which is the way it should be. Christian's at that point in his career now where he should be putting over younger talent, even though tremendous, tremendous respect for Christian Cage and still feel he's a lot left in the tank, uh, much much like Edge. But uh, yeah, it's time to wrap this feud up. As far as what will happen with Luchasaurus, uh, 
I, I could only see him sticking around if they have him and Jungle Boy sort of patch up their differences and become a tag team again, reuniting Jurassic Express. But if not, he's just going to get lost in the shuffle because there's too many other big guys in uh, AEW who make far more impact than he does. I mean, Wardlow, Brian Cage, Lance Archer when he's around, W. Morrissey, Powerhouse Hobbs. There's so many other powerhouses powerhouses in um, AEW right now. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I don't really know. They kind of need to get back together because I really don't know what they're going to do with Jungle Boy either. Uh, I mean, he's decent. I I disagree, though. I don't think Christian should put him over. I don't think he's that good. I think he's a mid-car wrestler uh, unless he's on a a tag team. And they accommodated each other so well. They might have made a mistake there. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Brian Cage, you just mentioned him. He actually faced Dante Martin. Uh, for a place in the uh, AW World Title Eliminator uh, Eliminator Tournament match, I don't know. It, it I, I guess Dante looked okay in the match. I'm I'm not a huge fan of his. I remember when they were building him up and saying, "Oh, he almost beat Kenny Omega," and blah blah blah. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, yeah, almost doesn't really count in wrestling, though." So, you know. Anyways, I, this match ended exactly how I thought it was going to. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I predicted the same result as you did. Brian, Brian Cage is a guy that AEW needs to push. He has a lot of talent, much more talent than people are even aware of most of the time. Um, the fact that he can do high-flying moves and is a powerhouse really um, really sets him apart from a lot of people. I've always liked his, his entrance and his music and all that kind of stuff, so push this guy, man. Give him a, Give him a chance. Well, he should take the title away from this guy in our next match. The next match was uh, Orange Cassidy, who defended his title, All-Atlantic uh, Championship, versus Big Shoddy. And, and I knew, I knew that, yeah, I mean, of course he won. This is one of those matches where I could care less. I, I'm not a big fan of uh, Lee Johnson's, never have been, and you guys know how I feel about Orange Cassidy. But you mentioning Brian Cage's push, this should be the title that he goes for. If they're going to keep letting Wardlow uh, feed him, which I don't understand that, for that title, he he would destroy Orange Cassidy. Your thoughts? I agree. It would it would shake things up in the All Atlantic uh, title division, especially you know now that Pac doesn't seem to be anywhere near it at the present time. Um, why not give Brian Cage the title? I mean, again, he's he's more of a legit competitor. I mean, as much as as entertained as I am by Orange Cassidy, as I've said many times before, in small doses, I do, he does make me laugh, no question about it, and shows some fire. But I don't see him as a long-term All-Atlantic champion, or, or even single champion, period, to be honest. Yeah, I am, uh, I, I'm tired of seeing him, man. He's on TV every week now since he's won that title. Uh, and you're right about Pac. He doesn't seem to be talking about it anymore but i what they're doing and 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 i caught on to it last week there are building for the uh the three team the three-man team pack what is it called triple threat or something like that death death threat or death death triangle death triangle there you go uh death triangle they're building for that that team's going to break up uh phoenix and his brother something's going to happen there they're going to turn on pack or pack's going to turn on them because once again Pac mentioned backstage that no matter what, we've got to we've got to keep our titles. 
and uh, he had that hammer. And as we know, uh, Phoenix's last couple matches with Orange Cassidy, uh, Pac tried to get him to use the hammer, and he wouldn't do it, the bell hammer. And they've also been showing vignettes of Omega and the Young Bucks coming back, and I just have a feeling that that's why he's not nowhere near, like you say, the uh, Atlantic Championship right now. I think that team's getting ready to disperse. And probably, I mean, it's probably okay because Pac is, uh, I mean, he travels to all these other wrestling organizations all over the country, different countries. And uh, so I can see him not wanting to be tied down. I get it. I get it. Uh, and then the next match, which uh, we were both kind of wrong on this, but man, it, I thought it was a great match. Bandito versus Rush, part of the Eliminator uh, tournament. And uh, I was pretty impressed. Now, I know that Rush got uh, tried to cheat and he uh, he got his uh, the guy out there with him to distract or he distracted uh, the female referee while the other guy tried to take the guy's mask off. But Bandito, very, I mean, he impressed me last time against Jericho, but he stepped up his game, and uh, I have to say he deserved to win this match. I thought it was a great match. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it continues to impress Bandito does, no question about it, and he definitely earned this victory. I really have no complaints about this match. No, it was actually, it actually ended up being my favorite match, uh, one of my favorite matches of the whole night, which on Rampage, you don't get a whole lot of choices anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, so let's go over the AEW uh, Dynamite match card uh, before we move on to SmackDown results. Uh, AEW uh, World Eliminator, another title tournament match. Uh, this one will be Ethan Page versus Bandito. Uh, I know they've kind of given uh, Ethan a, a, a little push here lately uh, since he spoke his mind a couple months ago. However, I just don't see them... Uh, letting him beat Bandito right now. Bandito just signed with these guys after being uh, approached by WWE and Impact and everywhere else. And I just, I'm not saying he's going to win the whole tournament, but I can't see them letting, uh, I can't see him putting Ethan Page over. What's your thoughts? Mm, I think like, I think right now, at least as far as this tournament goes, they're going all in on all ego Ethan Page because of, uh, like you said, him showing that, uh, had a little bit of fire a few weeks ago. This is a tough one to call. I think it's going to be a close match, but I got to go Ethan Page in this one. Interesting. Uh, let's see. And then the uh, another match on the card is for the AEW World's Trios Championship, uh, and that's Pac, Ray Phoenix, and uh, Pentagon. Uh, and they are going to be fighting against uh, Top Flight, uh, Dante and Darius Martin, and AR Fox. Uh, I, I don't think those three have a prayer at all they're mid-card wrestlers and uh kind of surprised they're even in this match probably just giving these this other trio a warm-up before they uh head to the pay-per-view your thoughts see that's what they all say they always want to underestimate the underdogs uh, you know i mean I, I mean anything could happen in professional wrestling we could very well see brand new trios tag team champions on dynamite have you but not on this but not on this particular night. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, let me finish. <laughs> no, not on this particular night. We're not gonna see new champions. I, I go with Death Triangle. <laughs> I was getting ready to rip your head off, man. <laughs> that was good. Those guys like, what? Are you kidding me? These three? I mean, if you're gonna put your if you're gonna go all in on a younger team winning, go all in, but not on these three. Come on. The Darius guy. Keeps getting hurt. He just he's just now coming back. Then we have the interim 
called by AEW, the interim women's world championship, Tony Storm versus the Bunny. Huh, and that's for the title. I haven't seen the Bunny wrestle in a while. Of course, they're not going to let Storm. They're building her and uh, uh, Jamie Hayter too much to let her lose her title in this match on a on a episode of uh, Dynamite. But uh might be a little bit entertaining. I like the Bunny. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. But once again, I don't. These are two matches in a row. I'm like, why are these not these matches themselves? Like they could still have the matches, but why are the titles on the line in these matches? Like what has the bunny done to earn a title shot? What has top flight and their tag team partner done to earn a title shot? It it makes no sense. What happened to the rankings in AEW? It just, it infuriates me. Tony storm to win this match. Yeah. There's no ranking system anymore, man. I've told you they don't, they don't even talk about it anymore. It, it's just, uh, it died a long time ago. And that was the one thing, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. That was the one thing that was the ace in their pocket. It kept them separate from everybody else. You throw that away, you're just another wrestling promotion. You're just another wrestling promotion that's not called the WWE. And I was just going to say, by that logic, then, John Moxley should be defending his uh, AEW world title against against Dan House in any, any episode uh, coming up. Well, I mean, look who he's fought. He's fought a lot of people that are in, uh, that just because they used to be uh, Ring of Honor champions. Or no, that's Chris Jericho. Uh, but look who John Moxley's actually fought. Take away Adam Page. And, yeah, I mean, he's fought a bunch of guys who haven't really even wrestled in the company, so they can't be ranked. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've done away with uh Claudio will be teaming up, uh, or no. Yeah, yeah, he'll be teaming up with Brian Danielson, and they'll be going uh, against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. That match there should be pretty decent. This match is going to be, uh, these four are actually going to be competing against each other at the next pay-per-view for Jericho's Ring of Honor uh, title. You know, they, they let Daniel... Uh, Brian Danielson, uh, they let him win that match with Sammy Guevara, and he was, he was, he was, everybody's seen it. He was beat. He was beat. So I've got to say that Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara somehow will win this match on Dynamite. Your thoughts? I disagree simply for the fact that Jericho's ROH title is not on the line in this match. However, I do think that even if the Blackpool Combat Club walks away with the victory, which I predict they will, we're going to see some sort of miscommunication during the match, and we're going to see some tension building between Claudio and Brian Danielson. Uh, but I do predict that Claudio and Brian Danielson are going to win. Yeah, I don't know how much uh, strong. I, I, you know, I've see, been seeing a little bit of uh, cracks in William Regal's army there. You're absolutely right. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about uh, uh, because they're getting ready to face each other. But Willer Yuta and uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, he had that screaming match and said, finally get mad. Brian Danielson has kind of, or at least he's trying to show more emotion now. But I see some, I see some, uh, I don't know. We'll see. It, w- it wouldn't break my heart if that team broke up. Uh, the next match they have on the card is uh, Anthony Bowens versus uh, Swerve Strickland. I don't even care. Versus Swerve Strickland. Your thoughts? Well, well, as long as Anthony Bones comes out and says, scissor me, daddy. Yeah. I'm- uh, no, no, I'm going to predict that uh, Swerve Strickland's going to win this match. It's a singles match. He's more of an established singles star than Anthony Bones. So Swerve Strickland's going to win this one. Also, speaking of uh, Bowens, 
uh, him and his partner, the Acclaim, they are to re- their, uh, release their new music video. Yeah, uh, on Dynamite. So yeah, they should uh, go join that uh, Hit Row team on SmackDown because they're about in the same league. Uh, and then uh, we're going to hear from John Moxley. We're also going to hear from the boy MJF. Uh, Samoa Joe is going to explain why he turned his back on his former partner Warlow. And then Britt Baker and uh, Sarah uh, Page, whatever her name is, uh, they're going to both speak. It doesn't say interview, it just says speak. So kind of curious about that. But uh, any final thoughts on uh, the Dynamite card, sir? Uh, I, I don't know why we keep having these uh, speaking segments between Soraya and uh, Britt Baker. I mean, it's pretty... Soraya kind of made a, made a statement last week hitting her finisher on Britt Baker. Um I'd like to just see the two of them uh, two of them break out into another fight uh, so we could see if Britt Baker can even the odds a little bit because these two are going to have a match in the very near future. Um, and then as far as MJF and John Moxley, I mean, they're both gold on the mic. Uh, so I'm sure it's going to be interesting to hear their final thoughts going into the title match. I still predict, and I know you're going to be shocked by this Kentucky guy, but I still predict we're going to have a new AEW world champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, that doesn't shock me. Every episode, you seem to get a little bit smarter. So, yeah, I don't shock me. Oh, of course, MJ is going to win. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. So, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, let's see. That would be SmackDown results. And we had the, we had the New Day trying to disrupt the uh, Usos tag team undisputed uh, run. And they were unsuccessful. Uh, the winner of the match was was the Usos, so they will uh, continue on. I thought that this match was, uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, I really wasn't looking forward to this match at all. However, the Usos are so good that they actually made this match a little bit entertaining. Even though they were fighting the boring New Day, they are so good in the ring right now, and they're, and they're so over. Uh, and I loved how uh, they were people, the crowd was chanting Sammy and, uh, how Jey Uso put his hands over his ears. I mean, they're just, they're spot on right now. And, uh, so yeah, it wasn't a bad match. Uh, I, I really wasn't looking forward to this match at all, but like I said, these guys are so good, man. They just, they, they can put anybody over right now. Your thoughts. Well, like you said, very good match, but I think it could have been an all time classic. If Jay Uso would have just been feeling more oozy. All right. Uh, <clears throat> point taken. And then we had the, uh, the six pack challenge uh, for uh, uh, the number one opportunity at War Games against Ronda Rousey. Very, very, very odd the way this match ended. I, I didn't see this coming. And I don't think, I, I'll be honest with you, from the reactions and stuff I've been reading, I think it might have been a mistake, the the way that they uh, the outcome of this match, the winner of it was actually Shotzi, and I just don't think that uh, she's known enough well enough on the main roster right now. She does not have the support. She definitely doesn't have it of the fans and uh, a lot of people on the uh, on the dirt sheet. They didn't uh, they didn't care much for it. Uh, I thought it was a I thought it was an okay match. Um, I really thought Raquel Rodriguez was going to win the match, but I started thinking right before the match, though, that Ronda Rousey has already beat her twice, fair and square. 
So it did make sense of her not winning. I don't know why I didn't think about that on, on the last episode. But then you still have Lacey Evans, uh, who looked kind of strong in there. I don't know. I, I don't know. And you had Liv Morgan. I mean, who, who knows? But uh, your thoughts on the match? I mean, in, in truth, I mean, Shotzi, all she really needs to do is run Ronda Rousey over with her tank, and it's all and it's all over. You've got a new uh, SmackDown Women's Champion. But unfortunately, I don't think she's going to be able to use the tank during the match. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a weird ending. Uh, you know, nothing to, nothing against Shotzi. I think she's a decent enough worker, but she probably wouldn't have been my pick. Um, I would have been okay with Lacey Evans winning or or Raquel Rodriguez. Um, but yeah, this, 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 she was not my she was not my pick to go over in this match. Yeah, and uh, it, it just doesn't make any like with the storyline right now. You have Ronda Rousey and uh, her friend Baszler just beating the crap out of everybody, and I just I don't know how. I, it'll be interesting to see how they switch it up. We'll see. I'm sure they'll work. I'm sure they've got a plan. Uh, Triple H has done a fantastic job, and uh, you know, as as being head of creative, so I'm sure he's got a plan. I just I can't see it right now. <laughs> and then we had, and I didn't even know that they were having this, these uh, these type of matches on SmackDown because they didn't have the whole card filled out by the time we had our we did our last episode. But they had a World Cup first round match, and basically uh, to pay dividends to the Soccer World Cup, uh, they have this nice little trophy. And uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, so the first round match was uh, Shinsei Nakamura versus. Uh, Santos Escobar still don't understand why uh, Sinshay is fighting for the stupid uh, I who cares what their name is the B-Fab girl and the and the big guy anyways uh, hit rope I, I still don't know why he's defending them or why he ever tagged with them it still doesn't make any sense however he did get he did get beat in this match Escobar did win I know it wasn't fair and square but uh, probably suited because the guy that used to play the guitar for uh, Shinsei Nakamura, he's got to be coming back pretty soon. And I got a feeling when he comes back, he's not coming back to play the guitar for Shinsei. Uh, he's coming back to uh, turn on him and get out of his shadow. But uh, anyways, your thoughts on that match? Yeah, I mean, I figured these two were going to have a good contest because they're both really good workers. Um, I would have liked to have seen Shinsuke win, regardless of his association with hit row or not. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand that pairing at all. Um, but it makes sense for Santos Escobar to win this match because he did just come back to the main roster with Legado del Fantasma. They're paired up with Zelina Vega. I mean, it, it makes sense to keep their momentum going. Oh yeah, I agree. And I kind of like that faction. I do. Uh, they need to get away just a little bit, uh, with some of the, uh, promos that they do like the vignettes, but, uh, they need to switch it up just a little bit because it's too much. Uh, it's too similar to what they were doing on NXT. But uh, I, I kind of like it. I especially like it with uh, Selena Vega uh, as the main uh, mistress on the on air. Uh, and then we had something very interesting, very interesting, and kind of just to be honest with you, kind of random, very random. La Knight is backstage and he's being interviewed by. Uh, I think her name's Megan. And but it was he was interrupted by Bray Wyatt. And he was interrupted actually by Uncle Howdy, which was a video bumper behind behind him 
at first, and then Bray Wyatt, <laughs> Bray Wyatt shows up, and they have this like very intense interaction, and then Bray Wyatt headbutts him and knocks him down. So it kind of feels like maybe, you know, it's so funny because that day when we had the last episode, I actually said it's time for Bray to hit somebody. I didn't know it was going to be L.A. night, and that was such an odd choice. Uh, so maybe this is his first feud. I, I really don't know. Uh, this is the first person that he's went after since he's been back. However, you know, I don't, when Ray, for, when Bray first started talking to this guy and this, if you'll go back and watch it, it was almost like Bray was maybe trying to recruit him until LA, you know, LA's great on the mic and these guys, man, please let them have a promo and go at each other, uh, before they have a match because this will be great. They're both awesome on promos and they will light it up. Uh, I'm looking more forward to that than the actual promo interaction <laughs> than the actual match. But uh, yeah, so, and right before Bray headbutts LA Knight, Uncle Howdy shows back up on the television screen. So here's my question for you, uh, Mr. Gage. First of all, of course, what what'd you think about this interaction? But if you notice, LA Knight, so Bray Wyatt just walks away when LA after he headbutts him. When LA Knight gets up, he looks in the direction Ray just walked off and looks the other way and says, where did he go? I thought that was odd. Like, like Ray disappeared, but we watched him walk off the camera shot. So when he was looking that way, was he not seen? I mean, it, it's just weird. But uh, anyways, what are your thoughts on any of that? I know that's a lot to unpack, but. I will say I wasn't expecting this to be Bray's first feud when he came back. I mean, I guess a lot of people automatically assumed he'd be back in the upper card of the main event right away as soon as he came back to the company. I actually think this is smart to not put him right back in the main event because part of the issue a lot of people had with him when he was the fiend back in the days, they thought that he was pushed into the main event a little too quickly before he had more time to develop the fiend character. You know, it's like when you debut any any brand new character, you want to give them time to really hit their stride before they start challenging for titles. And LA Knight's a good... I'll call it like warm-up feud for him because he's already been a solid mid-carder. He's very good on the mic. He's a good worker. The two of them could play off of each other really well. And I think, you know, if they step in the ring and have a match, same thing. We could have a, we, we could have a decent match between the two of them. Give Bray a little bit of a chance to work off the ring rust because he hasn't wrestled a match in well over a year. So there's going to be ring rust. So... I think this is a smart move as far as, you know, the, the, the uncle howdy stuff and LA Knight's reaction to that. That's, that's a little harder to unpack. I, I, I don't know quite where that's going. Yeah. I just, I wonder if they're, I guess, I guess the question that I really had was, do you think that they're going to try to make it? So, uh, Bray still has like this, like some supernatural powers and maybe he, uh, he disappeared. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it, put it past them either. And I think if they use it sparingly just every now and then, it's fine. 
But if they kind of do like they like they used to do before, remember when he did, uh, for example, that swamp fight that he had at Extreme Rules last year with Braun Strowman? Yeah. They there were like six different times during that match where Bray just like magically teleported, and it was so overused. And it, it, you know you've got to be careful with supernatural themed gimmicks because it could be great, like it was for many years with the Undertaker and Kane. Or it could be really stupid, like when they made their poor booking decisions with uh, Bray Wyatt over the years previously. Yeah, the I, I don't really think that any of his was really silly, but I know what you're talking about, like uh, the brood. I thought that was stupid with Edge, Christian, and the other guy, Gangrel. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can blow it pretty easily. I just thought that was that was kind of subtle, and I don't know if a lot of people caught that. But he did look in the direction that fully, or uh, Ray Wyatt walked off, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I guess I guess I have to watch it uh, a little bit closer this Friday. And then the next match that was supposed to happen was B Fab finally getting in the ring versus uh, Selena Vega. It never got started though. The Viking Raiders finally, thank you Jesus, finally made their return, and. As I predicted, Sarah Logan was a part of them. And I'm telling you what, they, uh, the two guys, the uh, Eric and uh, Ivar, uh, man, they took out all five of those uh, superstars. Vega did, of course, you know, she escaped. Uh, however, B-Fab, not so much, man. Uh, Logan, wow, she looked tough. And she rocked her with that uh, pop-up headbutt. And she just went... <laughs> she just went out, man. And I, I just... Uh, her team finally got her out of there. And you talk about a way to make a team look tough as nails, man. Tough as nails. Uh, even with uh, Sarah Logan, who has not been a part of the roster in quite a while now. Uh whew. Her new look, the way she fits in with these guys. Uh, you talk about a reintroduction, man, for all three of them. This is going to be a team to be reckoned with. Your thoughts? I agree with everything you said. Um, Sarah Logan, I remember back in the day when she was part of the Riot Squad. They could have been a really good team if they had been booked better, but they were booked very poorly, and thus I never really took her seriously as a threat in the ring during her first run. Pairing her up with her real-life husband, which is who's Eric and the Viking Raiders, really smart move because it helps her stand out and not get lost in the shuffle. Um, and they've always been a good team since they debuted in WWE, so the fact that they're going to try to treat them seriously again is something I appreciate. Hopefully we won't have any more um, stupid vignettes with them playing uh playing different sports with uh, like the street profits and having to fight off a bunch of ninjas like they did that one time, um, which just turned them into a parody of themselves. It's like, this is a, people forget that these guys were champions in new Japan pro wrestling. They were champions in ring of honor. This was a legit tag team before they came to WWE and they looked great in NXT. They first debuted on the main roster. They also were booked strong, but then it all became a joke. And it was just like, oh, look at these guys. They dress like Vikings. Ha, ha, ha. Vikings haven't been around in hundreds of years. Well, Viking Raiders are back, and they made a statement this week. So 
take them seriously, I say. Yeah, I agree with you uh, completely on that. And I think that uh, I think that Sarah Logan, I, actually, I didn't know that that was her husband in real life. So <laughs> I'm glad you told me that. But I think that uh, this is where she definitely, well, now knowing that even more, uh, I think that she was, uh, I think this is where she's meant to be, man. I really do. Because she just looked, she looked stronger than she ever had. Uh, and you're right. They didn't, they didn't book the riot squad correctly, which I think is mainly because of the leader, uh, Ruby Wright. I know a lot of people like her. I'm going to get some hate for this, but never did think much of her. Never thought she was that good. I always thought uh, Morgan was the true leader of that team. But, uh, you know, that's just me. But Sarah Logan, sure. Yeah, she looked pretty good. Uh, so at the end of SmackDown, Roman Reigns and the boys uh, hit the ring. To of course, I'm I'm sure they were going to talk about Crown Jewel and all their accomplishments. However, here comes the brooling brats, <laughs> Butch and uh, Rich Hodland, and they interrupt, and we get Sheamus back, and I thought that was great. Uh, and they went out and they they just you know them boys don't care to fight, and they started fighting uh, with the bloodline, and here comes that stupid guy who does not know how to keep his nose out of everybody else's business. None other than Drew McIntyre, the dummy. And here he comes and he gets involved. So the reason why I'm talking about this is because I think they're starting to set up, I don't know who's on who's, but they're starting to set up maybe these two as one of the War Games matches during Survivor Series. So I know that uh, the women's match, uh, Bianca Belair, she kind of made that pretty clear. Still don't understand it, though, because uh, you you still have uh, uh, Alexa on there, Alexa Bliss on there. Still still don't understand what's going on there, but she did scream uh, War Games at Damage Control and uh, Nixie, Nikki Cross and Bailey on uh, Raw. So that's going to, I think, I think there's no doubt. We don't know who the other partners are going to be or what have you, but I think no doubt that that's going to be the uh, match on the female side. But I do think, I mean, why else? And, you know, that's kind of funny because I've always said your McIntyre just needs to go be a part of uh, Sheamus's little group, and he is now. So I don't know. I think that uh, that all happened because it's going to be, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because, I really would have liked to seen uh, the Judgment Day uh, be a part of, be not just be a part of Survivor Series, but a part of the War Games. But I don't think that's going to happen. I uh, I think somehow uh, Sheamus is uh, he may even earn a shot at the title, maybe win the Royal Rumble or something. Uh, he's 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 got that much credit behind his name, uh, and uh, yeah, he I, I would I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm not going to ever say that. Seamus doesn't deserve it because he's been there through it all. So your thoughts? Well, a lot to unpack, like you said. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Seamus challenge Roman for the belt. Um, they do have history. I, I don't know if people remember, but back in way back in 2015, when Roman won his first uh, world title at Survivor Series, ironically enough, it was Seamus who cashed in his Money in the Bank opportunity and beat the, then, then the big dog for the belt. Um, he would drop it a little over a month later to Roman Reigns uh, after uh, TLC, but 
uh, yeah, there's history there for them to for them to talk about. So, so a feud between the two of them would make would make sense. Um, this does likely look like the War Games match that's going to happen. Uh, in addition to the ladies match that you mentioned earlier, my guess would probably be the OC and Judgment Day might compete in a traditional Survivor Series match, which I also wouldn't be opposed to. But um, I am glad this year that Triple H finally stepped up and said, let's actually have the Survivor Series matches on this card be directly related to the storyline and not just be another Raw versus SmackDown crossover thing. They've been doing that for way too many years now, and I'm I'm actually kind of sick of it. So I I like the fact that there's going to be a real reason for these War Games matches to happen. It's not just going to be Raw versus SmackDown. Yeah, I do too. And uh, I do miss a little bit <laughs> this time of the year, I guess because it went on so much. Uh, I do miss a little bit of, uh, with the uh, Raw invading SmackDown and SmackDown invading Raw. Uh, and it's just because I always like that kind of thing. The uh, Going back real quick to the previous match we were just talking about, the Viking Raiders, uh, weren't they called, uh, they were the champions, I think, in Ring of Honor as well. Weren't they called like Men of War or something like that? Or war, war machine, war machine, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say uh, they're not new to the game. I mean, they've been around a very, very long time, and I could not think of that name. But war machine, yep, that's what it is. All right, so let's look at uh, let's see uh, tonight Monday Night Raw's card. Uh, they have a little. They don't have a whole lot of matches listed, which they never do. Uh, they do have a couple things though that are, are kind of. Uh, out there already. Uh, Seth Rollins is supposed to defend his title against Finn Balor. Uh, that match was actually going to... It was supposed to happen last week. Finn Balor came out to challenge him, then the OC showed up. Uh, so that, that that could be a great match if everybody stay out of it, but they're not going to. I would like to see these two. One of the best matches I've ever seen Seth Rollins and uh, Finn Balor fight was uh, for the uh, first time, the newly crowned first ever uh, universal title match, which Finn Balor actually won. Then he got hurt and had to give it up the next day. Uh, Matt Riddle and Elias are going to go against Alpha Academy. That that match that match means nothing to me. I don't know why they're having it, but oh well, probably to fill up time, three hour spot. And then uh, the only other thing they have on there is uh, the Miz. The Miz uh, has planned, who was revealed last raw that he planned all the attacks as a publicity stunt he's supposed to hold a (laughs) he's supposed to hold a special edition of ms tv to apologize to the fans i'm just kind of curious what he's got to say and was dexter loomis attacking him after everybody knew last week that's what still got me uh you know is he was that still part of the publicity stunt or not I, it just doesn't make any sense. Also, they're supposed to announce the first War Games match uh, at Raw tonight as well for uh, Survivor Series 2022, which they need to start filling that uh, that ticket up because it's coming very fast. Right now, the only thing that they have on there is Ronda Rousey versus uh, the lady that won the match, the six-pack challenge, uh, Shotzi. That's the only thing they have on there. So <laughs> they've got they've got a whole pay per view they still need to fill out. So 
And that should start. It, it has to happen this week. So maybe we'll get LA Knight and Bray Wyatt at the pay-per-view. I'm sure they're going to be an opening there. So that should be interesting as well. So, all right, sir. Uh, your thoughts on uh, tonight's uh, matches for Monday Night Raw. So first I want to speak on the Miz, um, the Miz uh, TV segment. I could totally picture him coming out and acting like he's making a sincere apology to the fans. And then he pulls the usual Miz, uh, the Miz, Miz stick and goes, and I, and I had you all fooled because I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. And then I could see him bringing Dexter Loomis out and trying to play it up. Like even last week's attack was planned as well. Yes. I paid you off Dexter. Why don't you tell you, tell the fans, all about all about this plan from the get-go. And then Dexter Loomis suddenly turns on the Miz and actually starts attacking him for real. And this whole this whole setup of Dexter Loomis being paid off was just Dexter Loomis playing mind games with the Miz the entire time and pretending that he was going along with this ruse. That's how I could picture it unfolding. I don't know if it will, but that's just my prediction. Um the First War Games match that's going to be announced is probably going to be the women's War Games match, which is likely going to be Damage Control and Nikki Cross going up against Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss. And I'm going to make a little bit of a bold prediction here that it's going to be a mystery fourth member. And I am going to go with the fourth member being the boss, Sasha Banks. Interesting. Your thoughts on your thoughts on that? Interesting. Kentucky. I was going to say I think it'll be Becky Lynch, but uh, interesting. It, it might be. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it being Sasha Banks at all. I was just the only reason why I think that it might be <laughs> Becky Lynch is because it's about time for her to come back, and her and Bianca Belair have history, good history now, and she was there when Damage Control first made their debut and jumped in to kind of support Bianca Belair. So. And beyond, and also damage control, and Bailey attacked her uh, right before she went on her leave. That's that's actually a good point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't been keeping uh, track of whether Becky Lynch is scheduled to come back to the ring. You might be right. And if she is cleared, then I, w- I would agree with you 100%. She'll probably be the fourth member. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Seth Rollins defending against Finn Bauer. I think it'll be a great match if it, if it actually happens this week. Um I'm a little confused, though. Is Seth Rollins supposed to be a babyface now, or is this just a heel versus heel match? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it's obvious now that Bobby Lashley is no longer a babyface, right? I mean, I think we can make that assumption since his Brock Lesnar uh, freak out at the end and putting Brock Lesnar in the hurt lot and then uh, destroying <laughs> destroying Austin Theory and uh, the other guy last week, uh, along with Seth Rollins. So. I guess they're trying to turn a baby face is the only thing that makes sense to me. By the way, I did forget one match that happened on SmackDown. It was for uh, the tournament as well. And that was uh, Braun Strowman versus Jinder Mahal. And, you know, anytime I say Jinder Mahal, you can see why, how easily it was for me to forget about that match. Anyways, Braun Strowman did defeat the Maharaja. But, uh, yeah, so I think that... uh, I think they're trying to turn Seth Rollins' baby face, and why not? Everybody sings uh, to his song when he comes out, and uh, yeah, I mean, I like him better as a heel, but why not? Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, 
if he tries to recapture a lot of that energy that he had from like 2017 to the start of his universal title reign in 2019, I could see it working with Seth Rollins as a baby face, but, um, they just have to kind of tread carefully. Cause like you said, he is much more of a natural heel. And, you know, if they focus more on just the fact that he's an amazing in-ring competitor, makes the crowd go wild when it, whenever he has a match, I could see it working. Um, oh, and then the other match I forgot about was Elias and uh, Matt Riddle against Alpha Academy. I mean, Riddle and Elias are a makeshift team. As much as I like both guys individually, I, I would give this match to Alpha Academy, but I, I feel like right now they're kind of burying Alpha Academy or making them feel like an afterthought. So they'll probably end up having Matt Riddle and Elias win this match. wonder if we'll hear from Austin Theory tonight. He's not listed on there at all. Uh, surely to goodness, they're not going to just, uh, you know, just pass over him, you know, blowing his bank cash in. That'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he does like an interview or something like that. I could definitely see them following up on it because they can't just like forget about that storyline. They have to do something to follow up. What what I want to know, though, is are we going to see the man where who I said it last week very clearly, everything he touches turns to gold, even if that person happens to be Baron Corbin. And of course, I'm talking about JBL. Got to see him on Raw on Raw tonight. What? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> no comment. All right. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So that, yeah, you, I don't know what else to say. That's all I've got. <laughs> Anything on your mind? You know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've heard any rumblings on the internet about what's going to happen in AEW with CM Punk. Have you read any sort of update about this situation, Kentucky guy? Okay. So to be completely honest with you, I haven't read anything because there hasn't been a whole lot out there. However, uh, I have talked to a couple people. That's about all I can say on that. And they are doing everything they can to buy out his contract. That That is happening. So I feel comfortable in saying that. They're trying to. Not saying they have. They're trying to. The problem is, is CM Punk is being just that. He's being a punk in the no negotiations. Uh, because he was actually the stories, the last story you guys have heard about the, what happened in his locker room are, is the 100% absolute truth. And I can say that with full confidence. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega did go to his locker room. Punk and uh, Steele's wife were in there with his dog. However, the Young Bucks and Kenny knocked on the door. They didn't kick the door in. And as soon as they tried to talk to Punk, and from my understanding, they were actually calm, very calm, those three were, and that's why you're going to see them returning very soon. Uh, and this was all caught, and Punk and Stills were unaware. This was all caught on video, by the way, and I have it from a very good source. It, it's This is absolutely like you can mark this down. It was caught on video. That's how they finally, the outside audit team, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but AEW hired a team uh, externally to investigate this because they didn't want any of their guys involved because there was, a, like MGF, there were some people who walked by the locker room and actually looked in. So, anyways, from my understanding, on the videotape, it shows that these guys went to the locker room, Punk invited them in, left his door open, 
and he went off. They said, hey, we'd like to, you know, have a conversation with you about the press conference you just did. And he absolutely went off and his dog started going crazy. And from my understanding, uh, Still's wife uh, tried to calm the dog down. And Kenny Omega was afraid the dog was going to bite her. And Kenny Omega raised his voice to CM Punk and told him to shut up because he was scaring the dog. And he picked the dog up and the dog did bite Kenny Omega. And then all, uh, and the woman, Still's wife, was so upset because she thought the dog was going to bite her. Dog's name's Larry or something like that. Thought he was going to bite her. And she was crying. And the guy comes in, her husband, thinks she's crying because of what's happening with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega being in there and loses it and starts beating the crap out of everybody. That's why he lost his job because he was unprovoked at all. He wasn't even in there when it started, which is nothing. I haven't heard that on Dave Meltzer hasn't reported that. Nobody's reported that, but he wasn't even in the room when it started. Uh, he came in there. I guess he went to go do something and he came back in and his wife was crying and he just took for granted that uh, somebody said something to her. So, and from my understanding, CM Punk is asking and is a crazy amount of money for the buyout on his contract. That that's where we're at right now. Wow. That is, that is a lot to unpack. And like I, and like you were just saying, that is very different from the story, the rumblings that we, that we've heard about what happened. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in the tape, but the tape doesn't lie. So if it's caught on tape, uh, that's, I mean, that, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, that's word is bond as the saying goes. Um, and I, and I've made my, I've made my opinion very clear that AEW just needs to cut ties with CM Punk as soon as they can, because there's, they have too much talent in the company and they've come too far as a company in their short history to let this bring them down. So that's, that's the best case scenario at this point for Tony Khan and all of AEW. Yeah. And I, I actually, uh, <clears throat> after having that conversation, I actually lost, uh, a lot of respect for Tony Khan. Because from my understanding was after all that happened, he was still going to bring CM Punk back until uh, the videotape showed up. Or I think it was recorded actually on a phone. Uh, the recording showed up and his board of directors, you know, he's now partners with Warner Brothers and they have forced his hand on this buyout. So that tells me he's a piece of crap owner who plays favorites and he's got to get that fanboyish stuff out of him if he wants his company to be successful. Of course, that's just my thoughts. What about you? Uh, I, I I would agree the same way. It's uh, you know you gotta you have to do what's best for business. You've got to be the you've got to be the boss, if you will, and dare I say the a hole sometimes. And you've just got to make the hard decisions that are going to benefit your company. I can't. I I just I couldn't imagine being a business owner, and I've owned a few over the years. And going to bring that guy back who's so toxic uh, to my company. Do you? Could you imagine what the back backstage and the the locker rooms? What what kind of mentality? What it would be like if he would have been able to bring him back? It'd have been horrible. It'd have been a, a hostile work environment, in my opinion. And I knew. See, the reason why I made that phone call was I knew because this just happened on. I don't know, Dynamite last week, I think it was. Poco uh, Cabana showed up and had a match. And how long has it been since we've seen him? So as soon as I've seen him, I'm like, yep, CM Punk's not coming back. 
Don't know what happened. <laughs> he's not coming back. And I don't think he's coming back, but I think he thinks he has them in a bind right now. And uh, one thing about Tony Khan, he may be a fanboy, but when it does come to business and money, uh, he's a very shrewd businessman from what I understand. And he's not just going to pay CM Punk what he wants to get out of the contract. So, yeah. So there's your scoop on AEW, folks. <laughs> all right. So that is about all the time we do have. You've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast with your co-hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Hey, you guys have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless and God bless America.